Amen. Today we're wrapping up a series called First Things First. Last week we talked about three components. Do you, who, who heard this message? Cool. If you didn't, listen, I want you to know something. If you didn't hear the message last week, you're not going to be thrown off this week. Okay? You're going to be able to track. If you hear something this week and you're like, hey, I want a little bit more information, you can always go back on our YouTube. You can watch last week's message and uh, in, in our series since uh, the beginning of the year. But we talked about three components of the perfect formula for success, or I define success as favorable outcomes. We talked about a, firm, uh, a perfect formula to experience favorable outcomes. And, and the, these were the three components, intentional action, incremental steps, and messy faith. Guys, I wanna tell you something. Everything that I just said that we've been planning and preparing and we've been working and all the things that are coming up, we are stepping out as a church. We are determined. We are sold out to having messy faith. There is no, there is no reason at all why we should be conservative with our faith. We're going to have messy faith here in our church family. That means we're going to seek God first. This is what we've been talking about the last six weeks. We're going to seek God first, and then we're going to go after those things. And, it, and it's not always going to look perfect. Ultimately, this is what we learned last week, that there is no perfect formula for success except to do one thing. Just we got to make God first. we got to keep God at the forefront. Now, ultimately... The goal moving forward is to make God first and to keep God first. Let me tell you what a key challenge is to making God first and keeping God first. It's this unbelievable, insatiable desire that we have to be in control. Does anyone like being in control? Come on, amen. I, I like to think I, I don't like control, but I realize that when uh, I'm driving the car, I feel great. When I'm in the passenger seat, I'm the worst co-pilot. My wife just like, she'll just stop the car in the middle of the street and just get out and hand, like get in the seat, drive, bro. Because we're going to need some marriage counseling after this. Amen? Listen, we all can relate to this, this thing of, of wanting to take control of, of everything. Right? We all can relate to some area of our life feeling like that if we control what's going on, we can ensure our own peace. And I want you to know something this morning, that no matter where you stand, no matter where you come from, no matter what language you're speaking, no matter what time you tune in and hear this message, if it's on our YouTube channel, on our online campus, I want you to know something. There is a struggle for peace right now in life. And I want you, and God wants you, my goal for you is your growth toward peace. God wants you and I to experience peace. So I know that we all deal with this. The only way we're gonna be able to end this control fight is to learn how to surrender. It's to learn how to surrender. So we're going to reflect really quickly on the story of David's life. We've been talking about this guy, David, who went and fought famously in the Bible. There's a story about this David and Goliath moment where he fights this Philistine, nine feet, three inches tall, and he fights him with a slingshot and a smooth stone. And David's life is spectacular in that he was anointed 
to be king of Israel at a young age while he was working in his father's field. And after being anointed, he doesn't turn and try to assume the throne. He goes back to his father's field. And he spends time there in God's presence and he learns some things. And that's where he learns how he was going to defeat Goliath. David's life was an exhibition on display of surrender. And today we're going to jump into the story in the part after David has killed Goliath. We've been talking about this last handful of weeks, so this is a quick summary. He's, he's killed Goliath. He's now been shown tons of favor. People love him. The current king, his name is Saul, begins to give David more and more stuff to be in charge of. And last week we said everything that David did, he was successful. I want that track record, right? And I think the reason why David's success could be chalked up to everything he did is because he constantly learned over time how to surrender more and more to God. We pick up in this part of the story where as David comes back into town, all of the townspeople start cheering. They're cheering for Saul. Saul has killed his 1,000 and David has killed his 10,000. And now we're gonna start to see a little bit of an issue with King Saul and David. It says in 1 Samuel 18, 8, it says, this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with 10,000s and me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Listen for a second to where his brain goes. So much going on here in Saul's heart. He begins comparing himself. He immediately lets his mind take over and he assumes that fast that he's going to lose his throne to this young boy. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. (laughs) See, Saul has surrendered himself to the comparison game But ultimately, Saul was the one stopping himself from stepping into favorable outcomes. This was was Saul versus Saul. A lot of times in my life, and I would present to you probably is the same truth, that what's standing between me and the favorable outcomes that God has for me is I try to control something is not me and the people I'm comparing myself to. It's a battle between me and myself that today, maybe if we can just acknowledge that your biggest battle is between you and yourself. There's so much that we get in the way of in our own life. Can anyone relate? In verse 10, it says, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David was playing the harp. And this is what he did each day. It says, as he did each day. But Saul 
had a spear in his hand. <laughs> it's going to get crazy. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. I love the imagery of that. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over 1,000 men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. I, I, I want to point out really quickly that they're cheering for David and his 10,000. So what is Saul? He tries to demote David over the 1,000. They're cheering for your 10,000. I'm going to give you a little bit. But also in the midst of Saul hurling spears at David, what does David do? He exhibits the ability to remain 100% surrendered to the Lord. This is important. That maybe this peacefulness that David was carrying in the moment to be able to allow him to remain surrendered. He escaped the spear, but he didn't flee the scene. He escaped the spear, but he didn't flee the scene. Too often what happens when something goes on, when opposition comes our way, we begin to feel kind of shaky. The first thing that we want to do is grab control, don't we? One of my daughters is in driver's education. I'm riding to church with her this morning, and I said, does your driver's instructor have a brake pedal on her side? She said, yeah, but she never has used it, Dad. I'm very proud of you. But the reality is sometimes we drive in our relationship with God saying we're surrendered in the passenger seat, riding the brake the entire time. And when we hit opposition and the spears are being hurled at us, we don't trust that God is going to allow us to escape, so we flee the entire situation. First Samuel 18, 14, listen, David continued to succeed in what? This guy, he is irritating. David's just like, he reminds me of that guy. He's got, you know, he's got all the skills, he's got the favor, he's succeeding at everything, you know, he's got all the followers. He was the, like, think about this. He had 10,000 followers. Saul was pissed because he only had 1,000. Right? Some of you, that's preaching right now to your heart. Let me tell you something. Well, you know what Saul was making the mistake of? He was mistaking influence for impact. I want to tell you something today. We need generations and we need to live a life of faith that we don't worry about the influence, we worry about the impact. Because you may have five followers, but I'm gonna tell you what, if you have a great impact on the five, 
You're doing better than someone that has 10,000 and is influencing but has no impact. There is a difference. Okay? That was free. It says, for the Lord was with David. That's the second time we've heard this. The Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. Saul could see David's surrender. He not only could see his surrender, but he could see the blessing that he was receiving from being surrendered. And it created a deeper fear in Saul. David's life identifies three significant points that I I want to talk about today. Significant truths about 100% surrender. Not just surrender. I'm talking complete. 100% surrender. We sing the song, You're Worthy of It All. Right? Right, God, you're worthy of it all. But really only 5%. God, you're worthy of it all. But not this part of my life. And we're, we're going to talk about three truths. 100% surrender to God means going big, going small, and going narrow. Let me define for you. Number one, surrender 100% means going big. Let me define this word surrender. It means to submit under or to cease resistance to. I'm in a fascinating small season of life. Lots is going on in my wife and I's life. And, and then I have this thing that has really no bearing on the longevity of my life and isn't super important to the grand scheme of things uh, in this race that I'm about to do. I'm getting ready to do another half Ironman in Oceanside. Uh, the first weekend of April. And it's really funny. I, I, this is what I'm learning in this process. Again, I'm always learning something in the process. When I train to race, we, you know we're all surrendered to something or someone? I had to do what's called an, an FTP test. And you get on your bike. It's an hour and 13 minutes which isn't necessarily a long time for me to be on my bike, but the intensity that I'm going to put my body through, this is like near nausea, vomit level. So I warm up for really the first like 50 minutes, 45 minutes. And then for 20 minutes straight, I push as hard as I possibly can Your body is screaming at you to stop. And I just destroy myself this week doing this FTP test. Now, I've done them in the past. And I get done, and I look at the data, and it is the worst FTP test that I've done in the last three years. My heart sank. See, because I have this race coming up, and I'm a competitive guy. 
And I'm thinking someone else is working harder than me, someone's stronger than me. I'm weaker than I've been in three. What is wrong with you? Bro, don't you, don't, there's no excuses. I, I was screaming at myself in the garage doing this test. My wife came she, into the garage. She said, Would you keep it down, dude. She's like shushing me, you know. I'm intense. I was so mad. And immediately in my brain, you know what I did? Opposition. Take control. What do I need to change? And I had, to, I had to surrender myself to the process that I was in. I, I, I had to, not just part way, I had to 100% surrender myself. I had to go big and surrender myself to the process and the plan and the person who ultimately was the authority when it came to my training. See, I, I have a triathlon coach and she essentially rebuked me because she said, how'd you feel? And I started down, well, it's the worst FDP test, blah, 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 blah. And she's just like, stay, like, what are you talking? Like, bro, you're in a process. When you and I feel like we're failing, we're looking at it in a moment's time and we don't see that it's a bigger picture. And I realized in the moment that I needed to surrender to that authority. See, going big 100% means surrendering to the authority that God has as the creator of everything, to his process and to his plan, to his personhood. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his. Now, I want to say according to his purpose, uh, that's God's purpose, that are according to God's purpose for them. Now, here's what I know, the true purpose of your life. The true purpose for your life is the purpose that God has for your life. I spent years trying to find out what the purpose of my life was. And the moment that I realized that all the things, all the plans and all the processes that I wanted to try and lay out and how I wanted to get there and the purposes that I defined for my life weren't actually what God had purposed me for. Do I trust him? This is a key question. You're only going to be 100% surrendered to what you trust. Do you trust him? Are you confident that where you stand today, that you're at a point in a process? That today you may feel your weakest that you've felt in three years, but today you're just at a point in the process. Do you trust him? Do I trust the plan? Do, do I trust the person who's in control of the plan? 
David trusted God had everything under control. His ability to remain surrendered in this process from his father's field to the throne room. He was anointed king. He was a champion that had been anointed, but he hadn't yet stepped into wearing a crown. He trusted God. He stayed surrendered. So many times, so many times in life, I've said to myself, and maybe you can relate, God, you're crazy. It's time for me to take control. Jesus, give me the wheel back, right? Let me drive. I'm gonna ride the brake on you, God, for what you're doing in my life. All the while, wanting what God wants and stopping him. Imagine, if David hadn't stayed surrendered, he was stopping God from working in the process he was... He was having spears thrown at him. If he would have tried to circumvent this process, he would have been stopping God from being able to get him where it is he had been anointed, thinking that he was going to be able to bring his own peace. God has all the authority to make all things work. I love this picture. He has all authority to make all things work for the good of those who love him. Let me ask you a question. Who is better to trust? I've tried trusting myself. I've tried putting all my trust in other people. I'm not saying you shouldn't trust people, but family, that is not where the peace that you need in your life and the peace that I need, it's not where it's gonna come from. So 100% surrender by going big is the acknowledgement of God's ultimate authority. Resulting in letting go of control. Now, if 100% surrender means going big, the only way you're gonna accomplish this is by going small. You gotta go small. When something seems too big to accomplish, when it seems like it's too far off to access, what do you do? Pull it close and break it down. Pull it close and break it down. Listen, you hear me say this sometimes, you can do anything what? Do you believe that? You can do anything once. You access 100% surrender one step at a time by growing 1% at a time. But usually what happens is we think about anything at 100%, it's too big. Right? Let me give you, let me give you an example of this. I think one of the biggest deterrents from people really surrendering major parts of their life to God 
is that it seems too daunting and too overwhelming. So let me, let, let me, let me, if I said to you, church, God's doing so much, there's so much coming down the pike, stay committed, great job being committed. Stay committed financially to sow into and keep pouring into what God's doing. Some of you, because of the way maybe money goes in your house, have a hard time imagining what that might look like. But 100% is broken down into 101% steps. Can I encourage you in something today? If you're, not so, if you're part of this family and you're not sowing into this family financially, if you're sitting here and you receive something that's good for you, if you're watching on our online campus and you're receiving something, could you today make a commitment to saying, I'm gonna grow 1%? Because you can do anything one time. So if you're, if you're just like, I'm not invested, and, and let me just say something, you invest in what you value. Let me say another thing. You only have influence where you're invested. Can I encourage you today? Just say, hey, where am I at? If you're like, I'm not invested at all financially in the Movement Church family. Do you know where your starting line is? 1%. 1%. You know why? Because I know anybody can do something one time. So 1%. It seems daunting if I said 10%, doesn't it? But I'm just, can, we're just being real. It'd be daunting to me. If you're like, Pat, no, 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 we give 10%. Cool. You know what your goal is? 11%. 1%. Why is this such a big deal? I am firmly convinced that if you want to know if you're surrendered to God, how tightly are you controlling your finances when it comes to him? This is the truth. I'm just saying, break it down, 1%. 1%. Don't let what seems like the insignificance of 1% growth in your life stop you. Today, I'm gonna run 10 miles. Next week, I wanna increase 1%. I'm gonna run 11 miles. Well, it's a mile. It's 1% closer to the marathon. And there's a compounding factor that happens over time in your life. Think for a moment, 1% growth a week, a week in your life. Think of an area of your life right now if you grew 1% a week. 4% a month, 48% in a year. Right now, if I was coaching you, this is what I would say. When I talk to business leaders, 
leaders of organizations, and I feel stuck somewhere. Break it down. And I begin, imagine an area of your life that grew almost 50% in the next year. Think for a second. You may think this is impossible. You may think there's no way. But it's possible. You break it down, 1%. 1% a week. What would your life look like? We can look anecdotally at David's life and go, oh, he was successful in everything. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that all of us want to be a David. No one wakes up in the morning and says, today I hope to be a Saul, go raving mad, be completely depressed, lose my crown, and go into oblivion of depression. Hashtag goals. Nobody. Nobody says, I'm going to wake up in 2022 and I want to make less money. I want to be worse off relationally. I'm praying this year for a divorce. If you are, because that's real for some people, 1%. There is power in that 1%. You're going to go big in your heart, but you're going to go 1% in your steps. There's power in 1%. And here's the secret. You're never going to arrive. The horizon is 100. I just want you to know something. You're going to be growing in your life. God is taking you on a journey of growing you 1% at a time in so many areas of your life. And it's a lifelong journey. You're never going to arrive. I've experienced this. God says, give me your life, Pat. You can have it. A few months later, I'm sitting with a bunch of men. One of the guys is like, hey, I think there's this area of your life you need to give to God. I'm like, I gave God my life. He's like, yeah, but this area? And I, I think as men, just, we need that. We need other guys to like, bro, what are you doing? That's why we get together at 5.30 in the morning on Wednesday mornings as men and pray. Pray for one another. Sometimes it's, I, I need a rib shot on a Wednesday morning to go, hey, nice that you're worrying about everything. 1%, are you staying surrendered? Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this. This is Paul speaking. Paul, one of the great, wrote most of the New Testament. This guy of all people, he's the guy that could have arrived. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word strain means to stretch yourself out. Here's what I'm saying. God is constantly stretching you and I out 1% at a time. It's constant. 
It's like the constant spiritual yoga pose hold. You're like, this hurts. It's gonna get easier. You can do anything one time. You can always let go 1% more, always. Lastly, 100% surrender means going narrow. Here's what I learned from this story. In order to benefit from being surrendered to God, I had to stay surrendered to God. But to stay surrendered to God, I needed to narrow my focus. What was happening? Saul's focus was on everything, specifically on David. And in fact, when we compare ourselves and our focus is on everything else, truthfully, that's just the fruit of being hyper-focused on ourself. Surrender requires a single focus. We have to stay focused. We have to stay focused to remove distractions. Why? Because you're gonna gravitate toward what you're focused on. Let me say that again. You will gravitate toward what you're focused on. You ever start looking for a car? And you're like, I, I really, I'm looking, like, I'm looking for a minivan. Said no, man. You start looking for a car. Suddenly, you start seeing that car everywhere. Have you ever experienced this? Why? Because you gravitate toward and you're gonna see what you're focused on. Proverbs 4.25 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. This deep truth in this is that if my eyes are focused on evil, my feet follow evil. Some of the things that are disturbing our peace in our life, it's because we're focused so heavily on that thing it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because what our eyes are focused on, your feet will follow. We have to be careful. Negativity will make you cynical and it will disturb your ability to surrender to God. One of the biggest things, this is very practical, is that I stay informed through media, but I don't immerse myself in media. You may have heard this a thousand times. I cannot double down on this with ex exclamation points and shout it from mountaintops enough. Turn off the stinking news. Turn it off. Inform yourself, but you know when you're immersing yourself. You know why? Because you're so focused on it, your feet follow it. You're so focused on the fear. You're so focused on the worry. You're so focused on the hate. Your feet follow it. 
So all you're going to feel are those things. All you're going to see are those things. All you will gravitate toward are those things. So I'm not saying to not be informed. I'm saying don't be immersed. There's a difference. There's a difference between drinking a glass of water and drowning in water. One is healthy and you need. One is in excess. And it's not bringing us peace. It's disturbing our peace. Are you with me? Philippians 4, 6. I'm gonna end with this. Why don't you stand with me? I'm gonna end with this scripture. Thank you for being with us this morning. from this guy Paul again he says this don't worry about anything (laughs) how many of you are experiencing worry about something right now so listen you're not going to the firing squad if you admit this come on raise your hands high there you go me too Listen to what he says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. God, let our surrender begin in a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now he gives us this great insight on what to focus on. Listen to this. We need to be narrow in our focus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He's like, hey, I just want you to know just this one thing. Before you walk out the door today, before, before you click YouTube off, before you, you shut down wherever platform you're watching on, before you go back to your day, before you go back to your business, there's one thing that I want you to know because our goal is your growth. Our goal is your growth. And I want you to grow in peace here this morning. I want your life to be growing incrementally, compounding in effect 1% at a time. As you go big and you go small, you begin to go narrow. And one final thing, I love this because what you focus on, you will gravitate toward. Listen to what Paul says to us. He says, would you please fix your thoughts on what is true? And that's honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Yeah, I get the story about that person and the breakup and all the, but why do I need to read that? So that I can begin thinking about if that significant person in my life did the same thing or where am I at and I'm comparing myself and all this stuff. Why do I, I need to fix my eyes and my mind and my heart on things that rest in the peace of God. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There's thankfulness in praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, Paul says. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace, 
the peace that you want that doesn't make any sense in the midst of the circumstances, that doesn't make any sense in the midst of your financial crisis, that doesn't make any sense in the midst of your parenting, that doesn't make any sense in the midst of that community tension, that doesn't make any sense politically, that doesn't make any sense globally. It just doesn't make sense in the middle of that diagnosis, in the middle of that addiction battle, that God can bring the power of his peace the ultimate reward for 100% surrender is the peace that you and I crave we got to go big we got to go small we have to go narrow we have to go narrow you will Isaiah 26 3 keep in perfect peace all who trusts in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, God. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Could you do me a favor and just open your hands up if you want to receive peace this morning? If you have a disturbance in your peace here this morning, I just want to pray for you. Sleepless nights, nightmares, anxiety levels. Uh, some of you have felt like things were getting better and you feel like there's been a reversal and things, things are going back. You feel like things are, are, are going backwards a little bit. If that's you, I wanna pray specifically for you. If you felt like things were progressing and you feel like things are going backwards right now and you're beginning to experience high levels of anxiety and your peace is disturbed, would you do me a favor and raise your hand? I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over you specifically. Lord, I pray right now your perfect peace. I pray right now that the minds and the thoughts, if you see someone around you, just go ahead and put your hand on them. It's okay. God, I pray right now that the peace of God would overwhelm every single person in the room. That we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it may feel like you're up against opposition that is insurmountable, that you are never going to be able to overcome it. And the Spirit of the Lord right now is upon you with his peace. And he's saying, would you surrender today? Would you surrender today? Would you just give in today? It's time to give up today. It's time to give up today. It's time, it's time to actually quit in my midst today. It's time for you to give over today. It's time for you to cease trying to control things. Quit riding the brake pedal. Just open your hearts up this morning and say, God, whatever you have for me this morning is yes and amen. It has to be better than anything I could have for myself. Come, Holy Spirit, the perfecter of our peace. The perfecter of our peace. God, um, in the midst of this, I want to encourage all of you. God is preparing you in your process. In your process of surrender, God is preparing you He's preparing the straight path. He's preparing what you're going to walk into. He's doing something in your today, but he's preparing something for your tomorrow. God has the ability to be working in your current circumstance and perfecting your future situation. 
He's birthing something. He's birthing something in you. He's growing something in you. Some of you feel like you're barren. Some of you are feeling a spiritual barrenness and God's saying to you this morning that I actually, you're in the beginning of it, you're, you're in that gestational part of, the, uh, of pregnancy that you, you're like, I, okay, it says I'm pregnant, but I don't feel I'm pregnant. And you're feeling kind of sick about things and I want you to understand that what you're feeling and sensing, I, I, God wants to give you an alignment of discernment to understand what it is you're sensing and feeling. That you're pregnant with something. You're pregnant with a new dream. You're pregnant with hope. You're pregnant with a future. You're pregnant with something. He's birthing something in you. We're gonna spend the next three weeks talking about this preparation that God has us in. This is important. Thank you, God. Thank you that we can place all of our trust in you. We can give over control to you. 100% surrender means going big, going small, and going narrow. And we are committed to messy faith that looks like that. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen.